Holy Hour of Power, the Terry and Jesse show. I'm a one-man car today. I'm riding solo. My partner Terry is doing some much-needed apostolic work. Got a great show for you. Terry and Jesse show, well, that's what TJ stands for. But it can also stand for truth and justice. TJ can also stand for totally Jesus. I like that one better. <clears throat> this is a uh, high energy Catholic blue collar radio. This is where we engage the culture of death with prayer, fasting and full contact Catholicism. Our program is not right versus left. It is right versus wrong. This is where Catholicism and culture intersect. And I'm reporting for duty. Hey, this, uh, this segment is brought to you by 10 books. Go to vmpr.org and click on the 10 books logo to shop for all your Catholic book needs. Shop 10 books by clicking on the logo on your website, vmpr.org. The month of February, last day, dedicated to the Holy Family. This is a special devotion which began in the 17th century, which proposes the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph as the model of virtue of all Christian households. Who can deny that? And we know that the Coptic Christians, both Catholics and Orthodox Coptic Christians, have been honoring the Holy Family, have had devotion to the Holy Family from very early times because that's where the Holy Family fled to Cairo, Egypt, when King Herod, the murderous thug, was trying to kill our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Couple of news items before, and before I get to today's gospel, and today we have a special guest. I know him, but I've never met him. His name's Dale Alquist. I'm going to interview him. He wrote a book, it's called Localism, Coming Home to Catholic Social Teaching. So that's what we want to talk about today, Catholic social teaching. I uh, got a lot of questions to ask him relative to his book, but somebody sent me these two articles yesterday. I thought I were worth mention, mentioning them. One is from MSN.com. It says, quote, Americans are unwittingly exposing themselves to tattoo inks that contain organ-damaging chemicals. Disturbing new research has revealed... An analysis of 54 inks commonly used in tattoo parlors across the U.S. has uncovered that a whopping 45 of them contain unlisted additives or pigments, including chemicals known to pose serious health risks. Now, another article, DailyMail.com from the U.K., says 90% of tattoo ink contains chemicals that can cause organ damage. The study finds, with more Americans than ever now inked, about a third of Americans have at least one tattoo, statistics suggest. But now experts are warning that their ink may contain contaminants. More than 9 in 10 people who get tattoos in the U.S. could be unwittingly exposing themselves to chemicals that cause organ damage, this study suggests. Tests in New York on 54 ink samples found 45 contained compounds that were not listed on the label. The most common was polyethylene glycol, which is a compound that has been linked to damaged organs, including a type of necrosis in the kidneys. This is just for your information. couple of other news items. GOP Senator Scuttles Duckworth IVF bill. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, Republican from, from uh, Massachusetts, or Missouri, excuse me, blocked the Senate passage of a bill proposed by Senator Tammy Duckworth, Democrat from Illinois, that would create a right to access in vitro fertilization and surrogacy. So Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith said, the bill before us today is a vast overreach that is, full of, that is full of poison pills that go way too far. Also, a judge blasts the federal government for not prosecuting Antifa. Yep, a federal judge held that the selective prosecution of right-wing demonstrators in California was textbook viewpoint discrimination, citing the lack of prosecution against armed far-left Antifa rioters in the last couple of years. Also, Colorado Democrats kill anti-pedophile bill. 
Democrats in the Colorado legislature blocked a Republican bill aimed at protecting the state's children from sex traffickers and other predators. The bill would have mandated minimum sentences for for people caught purchasing children for rape. Democrats in Colorado have now become the party of pedophile rapists, said Catholic Vote President Brian Birch, because the Democrats killed this anti-pedophile bill that was being pushed through by a Republican. Also, IVF means mass death. Many on the political left, and even many Republicans, have misrepresented the Alabama Supreme Court's recent ruling on the humanity of frozen human embryos, writes Arena Grosu. The inconvenient underbelly of the IVF industry is that millions of embryos are created every year in the U.S., but most of them die during the IVF process and others are frozen indefinitely. This goes against Catholic moral teaching. Also, Dallas Mayor explains his decision to leave the Democrats. Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson explained that his that his Christian faith played a role in his decision to switch his party registration from Democrat to Republican. Johnson is a devout Christian and he noted that I had more phone calls with people distraught about this party switch than I ever would have gotten if I had told them that I was actually leaving the church. <laughs> Finally, a Mayor Adams cites migrant crime in call to change sanctuary status. Yes, <clears throat> Democratic New York City Mayor Eric Adams voice support for making changes to the Big Apple Sanctuary City status amid a surge of crime perpetrated by illegal immigrants. He said, quote, we should not be allowing people who are repeatedly committing crimes to remain here, uh, New York City Mayor Adams stated. Common sense, again, I uh, don't agree with him on a, on a, lot, host, on a whole host of issues, but uh, that was definitely common sense. Okay. Let's look at today's gospel. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Jesus said to the Pharisees, there was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that that fall from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels, to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld, where the rich man was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off in Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus... Likewise, receive what was bad, but now he is confronted here. Or he, not, excuse me, but now Lazarus is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will not repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Let me take a look at a couple of words here or phrases that jump out at me. First of all, today's gospel, Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 31. This is a story of the rich man and Lazarus. And it depicts the lot of the wealthy and the lot of the poor. First in this life and then in the next. For all his worldly comforts, the rich man's callousness, towards the poor plunged him into ruin and Lazarus despite his earthly hardships is escorted to Abraham's side this uh the poor man is personally identified in 
in uh, chapter 16, verse 20, is Lazarus. This, uh, he has purple and fine linen, expensive apparel often associated with royalty. That's what he's been given. <clears throat> and what is Abraham's bosom in verse 22? Abraham's bosom refers to a temporary realm within Hades where the righteous souls of the old covenant, they, they awaited patiently for Christ to open the gates of heaven as described in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 8 to 10. Hades is the, in, in verse 23, it's, it's the netherworld or the realm of the dead. It, uh, it refers to a waiting place where the deceased souls of the wicked are detained until the last judgment, as it says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 13. But here it stands opposite to Abraham's presence and is a place where sinners languish in the grip of torment. It's separated from the abode of the righteous by a permanent, unbridgeable gulf that permits no traffic to pass between the place of the righteous and the place of the damned. And in verse 28, this jumps out at me, the first and only hint of the rich man's concern for others, his request for the resurrection of Lazarus is nevertheless, nevertheless denied since the scriptures already give sufficient warnings to prevent his brothers from neglecting the poor. Others suggest that the rich man is still, is still being selfish for he realizes that the damnation of his entire family would only increase his misery. And we see that uh, Moses and the prophets having risen from the dead, it says not even miracles will benefit those indifferent to the scriptures. There are just those people that have a hard heart. There are just those people that their way is already set. They're, uh, uh, they're, they're, the way they live their life, as the church fathers are fond of saying, the way a man lives is the way a man usually will die. And so that's why as Catholics, we have to make sure that we're pointed towards the North Star. We have to make sure that we're pointed towards living a life of sanctifying grace so that you and I, when we breathe our last breath and our heart stops, we can make sure that we're oriented towards our Father's house. As heaven is called, Fatherland. You're listening to the Terry Jesse Show. Up next, we're going to have Dale Elquist. I'm going to be talking to him about uh, <clears throat> about uh, coming home to Catholic social teaching. Coming home to Catholic social teaching. And let me check with my engineer because I think I'm, uh, I've exceeded my time here. Mr. Engineer, are we on a break? Mr. Engineer, are we on a break? Okay. We're listening. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. We will have up next. We're going to have Dale Alquist. <clears throat> we're going to be talking about Catholic social teaching. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. And uh, I'm waiting to, to see if my uh, studio has Mr. Dale Alquist. Dale, are you there? I am. All right, Dale, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're having some technical difficulties. That usually happens when we have a good guest. The devil doesn't want this good information to be put out. So let me tell you a little bit about Dale. I've never met him before, uh, but I know of him. I know, uh, I know about his great work. Dale is the president of the Society of Gilbert Keith Chesterton. He's the creator and host of the EW10 television series, the Apostle of Common Sense, and I've watched a bunch of those programs, and they are very thoughtful, they are very entertaining, very informational. He's the author of six books and the editor of 16 more books. He's the publisher of Gilbert Magazine. He's the co-founder of the first Chesterton Academy, a classical Catholic high school in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which gave birth to the growing Chesterton Schools Network that now includes almost 70 schools in the U.S., and four other countries. Dale, you are making a difference, my friend. So this God new bless book, you. Thank you. <laughs> this new book that, you, that this new book it's coming out or is it out yet? It is not quite out yet. It is okay. going to be out in just a few weeks. This new okay. book on localism, yeah. And it'll it'll be put out by Sophia Institute Press. Sophia Press, that's a trusted uh, Catholic publisher. Uh, you know, you're going to be getting some good. Uh, 
Catholic Mean Potatoes when you go to Sophia Institute Press. So take a look for the book. It's called Localism, Coming Home to Catholic uh, Social Teaching. Yeah, this is a big topic. Uh, this is a big topic, Dale. Uh, so again, people know you because of your EWTN show on G.K. Chesterton. And again, there's several books that you've written. The Gilbert Magazine, which you've published which is devoted to Chesterton. By the way, just is G.K. Chesterton, is he, somebody told me he's on the process of canonization. Is that true? Well, he's on the process in that we think a bishop is going to soon open the cause. So there's, oh. there's a great movement for his uh, canonization, and we think it will actually be official sometime soon. Awesome, awesome. Good. That would be, that would be great to have him on the, on the altars of the saints. So uh, this book that you got coming out uh, with Sophia... What does this book have to do with G.K. Chesterton himself, or does it? Yeah, uh, it does, of course, because uh, Chesterton has something to say about everything. So in in that sense, it has something to do with Chesterton right away. But this particular subject is something that was very near and dear to G.K. Chesterton. He was on the really on the forefront, along with his colleague Hilaire Belloc in the early 20th century, for promoting and trying to put into practice Catholic social teaching, which was a very new idea at that time. Hmm. So give, give us a working definition for all of us schleps here. What exactly is Catholic social teaching and why are so few Catholics familiar with it, even the term, much less the definition? Yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting how few Catholics are familiar with even the, the uh, even the term, but they certainly are familiar with the idea, uh, and that and when they do hear it, they immediately think it's something else. They they think that Catholic social teaching must have something to do with sexual rights or uh, some bizarre uh, weird politics that are completely outside of of what the Catholic Church actually does teach. But by its uh, by its very term, it means what is the best social system that would support the Catholic Church and that the Catholic Church would support. That's what Catholic social teaching is about. What is the best way for society to operate that is not only blessed by the Catholic Church, but that makes the Catholic Church and Catholic family stronger? And uh, it has its origins uh, in an encyclical from 1891, Pope Leo XIII, and the name of the encyclical was Rerum Novarum, mm. and it was about the, the working classes. And the reason why the, the whole world to this day still thinks of uh, all political and economic ideas as simply left and right of capitalism and socialism or, or communism is because they haven't read this encyclical. That's the problem. And, and that encyclical uh, does point out some of the main problems that arose at the end of the 19th century as a result of industrial capitalism and large uh, wage slavery and the loss of workers' rights and the loss of of family rights and how the wrong reaction to this uh, industrial blight was socialism. So basically the Pope is handing his blows to in, in both directions and he says the the solution must be for more workers to become owners so that they can be independent, not uh, not controlled by either a big corporation or by uh, the government. And so it is, it's, it's called the third way or the proper middle ground, but it is the idea is widespread ownership and independence. Wow. You know, it's uh, interesting you say that, uh, Dale, because... Most Hispanics that come to this country, uh, I've read that most of them become entrepreneurs. That they, they want to leave Latin America's socialist countries, and they come over here. They they get a taco truck. Uh, I mean, they become gardeners. Uh, they open up their own restaurants. But most, I know, most Hispanics they reject uh, the socialism from their countries, and they come to America. And it may be a little mom and pop operation, but but a lot of them, they try to make sure that they're not dependent on anything. So, uh, you know, as you said that, it just kind of reminded me of the tradition of my background. So, so how does localism put Catholic social teaching into practice? 
So localism is the idea um, that uh, it's opposed to, to centralization. So you could call localism decentralization, that the things that most affect you, you should control those things that most directly affect you. And uh, the, the Catholic Church has a term for that. It's subsidiarity. And your example of, of the Hispanics who, who, who come to this country is is absolutely the norm. It's the way most of Western civilization has operated for centuries, is that most people have their own means, their own ownership, the, the one thing that they control, and that serves them and it serves their community. The idea of bigness, both the big government or big corporations, is a new thing on the map. It's a recent thing in history, and it has done much to undermine both individuals individual rights and especially the family rights it's been de- it has had this deteriorating effect on the family well yeah we all lived it for about two and a half years you know with uh <laughs> with with the jab being uh, forced internationally and just ju- just the the intolerance from big tech big pharma big government uh and, and so we uh we all just live through this nightmare and hopefully we, this doesn't go, it doesn't happen again. So tell me a little bit about what GK Chesterton called distributism and how did the term distributism morph into localism? Sure. Um, yeah. Distributism was the term that Chesterton and Belloc, mostly Belloc came up with the term back in the uh, 1920s and thirties. And it was their way of trying to implement this Catholic social teaching, the idea of this widespread ownership and independence and the dignity of the of the family and of the common man. And so that that Jones, as he as he you know, is his generic term for the common man, Jones was not beholden to either Hudge or Gudge. And and Hudge is big government and Gudge is big business. Um, and uh and and so the problem with the term distributism is that it takes about a half an hour to explain what it means. And well, people it still get it wrong. Give it to yeah. me. Too. Give me so, the sound. So that's why, that's why we changed it to localism because localism, you immediately understand what localism is. It means yeah. you take local control of things and everyone resonates with that term immediately. So that's how distributism morphed into localism. Same principle, the idea of, controlling the things that affect you most directly. That means both uh, government, you know, local local government and local commerce, taking control and making those things, uh, 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 the, the things that you control. So that you, you are, are doing small business and small government. That's what's going to most serve your home and your neighborhood and your community. I think a perfect example where, where people could wrap their mind around that right now is is what uh, Governor Abbott from Texas is trying to do at the border with his local law enforcement. Then you have kind of the big bully federal law enforcement saying, no, no, you can't defend your borders. You know, we want a government overreach. We want to oversee what's going on over there. That's, you know, that that's a, that, that's a bully tactic. I mean, this oh, is, yeah. this is a, a, a complete violation of localism, of the principle of subsidiarity, but what what Governor Abbott is, and I don't live in Texas, I'm just, but I'm just kind of trying to put paint a picture for the audience. This is an example of localism, and he should be allowed to defend his borders with his local law enforcement. That's just my take. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a perfect example, Jesse, because it's the idea of people defending their homes, right? They're defending their homes, and when they're when you're defending the local place, that's the place where your home is. You're defending your home, you're defending your town and your community, and you can't have someone else come in and say, oh, you can't do that. Uh, you know, that, that is anti-local, but that is the, um, the force of, of remote central powers. And those can be either state powers or commercial powers that, that control our lives. And we have to break away from that, that kind of control. We see another perfect example of the violation of localism or the violation of the principle of subsidiarity. Right now you have parents all over the country that are fighting their public schools because a lot mm-hmm. of the public schools are, are, are importing garbage, g- garbage topics, you know, gender studies, DEI, 
uh, you know, a 1619 project, uh, drag queen story hours, and, and the parents are saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. We're the government. We'll tell you guys what your kids need to learn. And parents are pushing back around the country. They're saying, no, you're not. Just because our, our, we, entrust, we entrust our children to you for a few hours a day doesn't mean you own them. So there's, there's a perfect example of a big fight that's occurring right now in all 50 states, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, if you look at the history of education in, in America, education used to be completely locally controlled. Mm. Uh, hold, that thought, have- hold that thought, Dale. I want to I just pick your brain on that on the next segment. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. I'm here with Dale Alquist. All you guys know him. Guys, uh, you know, been on EW10 for years on the G.K. Chesterton Show. We're talking about uh, Catholic social teaching. We'll be right back. Stick around. We're back. This segment is brought to you by Charity Mobile. When shopping for a phone company, why not choose one that is pro-life? Call 877-474-3662 and mention Virgin Most Powerful Radio to support the show. You know, Dale, I know a little bit about what you're talking about. I've had, I've even had an experience in Catholic radio. I've been on, on, on bigger radio stations, but you know, oftentimes, um, Sometimes you don't want to be restricted in what you say. And so me and Terry Barber, we went to our own little internet, uh, you know, radio shows so that we can have uh, the ability to speak freely. So, uh, you know, I I just didn't want to be overseen by big brother Catholic in many instances. So I I kind of understand. I like the localism. Uh, I, I don't like to be, I don't like this big, you know, bureaucracy over me and just micromanaging every word that comes out of my mouth. I like to speak from my heart. So we're, we're talking here with Dale. Everybody knows who he is. Uh, everybody thinks he's actually GK Chesterton because <laughs> he's been playing him on television for many years, but he's coming out with a book uh, through Sophia Institute press. It's is a very, uh, uh, one of the reputable Catholic uh, publishing companies. The book is called localism coming home to Catholic social teaching and uh, you were talking about, before the break, uh, continue what you were talking about. What's the great appeal of localism? Yeah, right before we, we went on the break, Jesse, we were talking about education. And yeah. um, you were saying how, how, you know, in our public schools today, these strange ideas are coming from up above. You know, they're, they're top-down things being forced on parents uh, that not only have to be taught to their children, but totally affect their children's lives and souls. And, and the, the parents have no control over this. And, uh, and I was pointing out that in the history of the United States, all schools were very locally controlled originally. Uh, the, the local school board represented families, and there was a, a common moral fabric that united them. Uh, really, regardless of their religion, they were, they were shared the same moral fabric. And, and that moral uh, intellectual tradition showed up in 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 the schools themselves but uh that's all been lost as everything has been more centralized and we've we've lost the local control and so um there's there's the only way we can fight back on on education is again by local solutions and that that does amount to people starting their own schools which is what which is what we've done with the uh with the chester academies around the country uh this is just a, a phenomenal uh, movement that that has been the result of uh, we have given parents the the tools so that they can just go out and start their own school. And we, we show them exactly how to do it. We don't do it for them. They do it themselves. They get it funded themselves. All we give them are the rubrics and a great curriculum uh, which which is shared by everyone who has one of these tests and you know it's faithful to the Catholic Church and it's it's the formation of souls at the most critical time of their lives and so you know you you are putting your child's soul at risk by sending them to a public school today uh, the solution is yeah you have to take control of their education you can't let uh, someone else do it uh, you know Chesterton says, 
and, and you don't mind if I quote Chesterton, do you, Jesse? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he says it's a sign of decadence when we when we hire professionals to entertain us and professionals to fight for us and professionals to rule us. Wow. And, and so wow. the idea of localism is it is self-government. It's doing things for yourself, governing yourself rather than be governed or controlled by someone else. Well, that was a breathtaking quote you just shared right now. And it reminds me of something that was happening here in Arizona in the state where I'm at. You had a bunch of Minutemen, just just men that were retired as some volunteer, and they were protecting the borders here in Arizona. <clears throat> and what ended up happening is Big Brother federal government ended up rousting all these men and, and uh, you know saying, you're violating people's civil rights, you can't do that. And, oh, by the way, uh, you've got... Uh, a traffic ticket, and oh, by the way, uh, uh, you have to pay back taxes. So the federal government basically destroyed this volunteer Minuteman, uh, you know, m- civilian militia that was protecting the border here in Arizona, and and the federal Big Brother government did not like what was happening, so they started nitpicking and saying, "Ah, oh, you got a sir, you got an arrest warrant, you 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 you, you owe taxes, this that and the other." And they were able, by their bully tactics, they were able to disband this militia. And now the Arizona border is porous. Yeah. So I think that's kind of an example of, of, of what can happen when, uh, when you have government overreach or when government gets too big, right? Well, I mean, it's the perfect example. And, and it reminds me, for some reason, of another Chesterton quote. <laughs> it says, when you, uh, when you break the big laws, you don't get freedom and you don't get even anarchy, you get the small laws. And we live in a time where we have done everything we can to break the big laws. In fact, we have even legalized the brokenness of the big laws. We've made things that used to be considered sin, not only legal, but celebrated. And the result, the small laws, the growth of bureaucracy, because all of a sudden, everything in our life needs to be controlled because we don't have self-order anymore uh and and so it's the, the it's the loss of order and it all has to be imposed on us you know uh dale you remind me of a quote i'm going to try to quote if i can remember it. ronald reagan where he said something like the nine most dangerous words are uh hello i'm the government and i'm here to help you <laughs> something like that yeah, yeah. Uh, that was, I, he, I remember his inaugural address. He said, "The government's not the solution to the problem. The government is the problem." Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> so uh, again, what, what do you see as the great appeal of localism? Of, of course, you know this is a, mostly a Catholic audience. For us as Catholics, uh, I, I guess the the great appeal of localism is it's basically another way of saying the principle of subsidiarity. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the two the two principles of, of Catholic social teaching are subsidiarity, which we talked about, the idea that the thing that is most, that directly affects you, you should control the thing that most directly affects you. But the other principle is solidarity. And, you know, everybody who knows anything about modern history knows that it was solidarity, the solidarity movement in Poland that brought down the Soviet Union. Uh, just an almost impossible unimaginable thing that that happened in our in our time where a a group of catholic workers brought down uh an evil empire and uh and and that's because they were in solidarity with each other so the idea of catholic social or or localism is that you you start by taking care of your family and then from there you you look out for your neighbor uh catholic social teaching could be summed up with love your neighbor as yourself Uh. Yeah. But when yeah. families are starting to work together to take care of their own families, they realize that they have a they have a joint interest in taking care of other families as well. This is a grassroots movement, and a grassroots movement is what can change our our society. There's no top down solutions, Jesse, as you know. It has to come from the ground up. So, what do you mean by the subtitle "Bringing Catholic Social Teaching Back Home"? Yeah, well, the most local place, of course, is the family. And as Chesterton and others have pointed out, the basic unit of society 
is not the individual, it's the family. The basic unit of society is not the community, it's the family. And everything in a society, in a culture, in a government should be supporting and nurturing and protecting the family. It all starts with the family as the first place of freedom, the place where life begins, the place where life is supposed to be lived. And so there's nothing more local than the family. So the idea of localism, yeah, it starts right at home and then it, it continues from there, just like a pebble making a ripple. Uh, Hillary Clinton thinks that, you know, she would she would take issue with you. She says it takes a village to raise a child. So yeah, she'd be wrong, of course. <laughs> but the problem is our, the folks on the right can be equally wrong when they say it's all about individual rights. That's the thing we have to remember. Individual rights can undermine the family. So can the village rights undermine the family. Mm-hmm. If, Good point. If, I if, like that. Yeah. If we're not protecting father, mother, child, we are we are absolutely destroying our whole society if we, mm. if we don't watch that as, as the unit keep that unit together so tell us about some of the contributors who have written chapters for this book that's coming out uh with through sophia institute press the book is called localism coming home to catholic social teaching tell us about some of the contributors who have written some chapters yeah we've had we've had some just a great group of people come together uh Alan Carlson, who uh, has been involved with the uh, Howard Center for the Family, great writer on the family, um, a, a great uh, uh, American historian, too. Uh, Christopher Check, president of Catholic Answers, he gets it. He's writing about it. Anthony Esselin, marvelous Catholic writer. He, uh, he's just, he, his, his chapter is called All Freedom is Local. Uh, Dr. William Fahey, president of Thomas More College, one of my fellow troubadours. Joseph Pierce, of course, one of my great friends, great Chestertonian. He writes for us. And uh, and then there's a, a real surprise name, I think, on the list. Uh, there's some odd names that people won't recognize, but they'll all recognize this one. Senator Marco Rubio has con- wow. uh, contributed a, a chapter. He totally gets it. He talks about how the, the in the history, of American politics, it's localism that has done the most good. You got some real intellectual hammers that have written for this book. <laughs> wow, uh, congratulations. Can't wait till this book comes out. Uh, again, how, how can our listeners get the book? Yeah, they have to, they can start by waiting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll be out very soon, but it's, um, I would say just a few weeks, but you can get it from our website, chesterton.org, which you can also learn more about uh, Chesterton's writings, including on this topic of, uh, of localism and, and Catholic social teaching. But then, of course, Sophia Institute Press will, will also feature the book on their website. Dale, can we keep you on for one more, one more segment, one last segment? Absolutely. All right. We'll be right back with Dale Alquist, President of Society of Gilbert Keith Chesterton. We're talking about his upcoming book, Localism, coming home to Catholic social teaching on the Terry and Jesse show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Wrong with that. Uh... Dale Alquist, he wrote, he's written a book that should be coming out shortly through Sophia Institute Press. It's called Localism, Coming Home to Catholic Social Teaching. So, Dale, you got some uh, some real intellectual wonks that are have written for your book that's coming out. Um, can, can you give the audience kind of a, 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 a an overview of the principle of solidarity, small definition, principle of authority and you've already covered principle of subsidiarity but i guess those are the three uh working definitions when we're talking about catholic social teaching correct yes those are correct and um the idea of authority is that uh there there is uh, a god-given uh order that we have to follow okay and so so the ultimate authority is god there are temporal authorities in elected or appointed officials. They, uh, as long as they are they're op- uh, exercising their authority 
according to natural law and God's law, they are to be respected and obeyed because it makes for an orderly society, uh, you know, for the peace of all. And the idea of, of solidarity is that uh, we share common interests. There's a, there is a common good and that everyone should support the common good. These are, these are basic principles of, uh, um, of, of Catholic order that go back to the, to the uh, medieval times and, and the establishment of, of, of the rule of, of law, but also um, you know, the, how, how we have to live at peace with the world. When, it, when, when Catholics uh, run a, um, a society, they will make laws that are just. Um, as we have broken away from the Catholic Church and from the order of Western civilization, there are still remnants of that civilization that was created by the Catholic Church. And as G.K. Chesterton says, the world is living off its Catholic capital. Mm. Uh, so there's, there's still elements of those things there. And Justice is something that is absolutely inherent in us. It's it's implanted in us. You know, you know, you've heard little kids three and four years old saying that's not fair. You know, yep. justice is put right into their souls. And uh, in fact, Chesterton says uh, children um, children are innocent, and so they love justice. Whereas we who are guilty, we prefer mercy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, but but. Uh, so, so the idea is, how do you run an orderly society? And uh, and we, as Catholics, have a responsibility to start promoting Catholic social teaching because it is the Catholics, the the Catholic Church's way of trying to reintroduce Catholic justice and uh, uh, you know the, the the foundation or the building blocks of a just society. Uh, that have been lost. They just they have been lost, or they've deteriorated. There's just a remnant of them now. But by reintroducing Catholic social teaching again from the ground up, you know we can make a difference where we are in our local communities, and that can spread outwards. And there can be a transformation coming, you know, across the land, uh, starting at local points all over the place. You know, Dale, when when we when I. Those three definitions that you just gave right now, you know, which define Christian social order, uh, principle of authority, principle of solidarity, principle of uh, subsidiarity. <clears throat> if if we were to give a grade, let's say we're teachers and we're to give the U.S. a grade, let's just say the last the last three and a half years of how the federal government, uh, you know, using this as the backdrop of this, this Christian social order teaching, the principle of authority, I would say that right now the government, our federal government, gets an F. I think they've uh, uh, they've uh, abused their authority in many respects. Just ask Mark Houck. <laughs> Just ask, uh, uh, you know, uh, pro-lifers and traditional Catholics who's, who have been visited by the FBI. I, I think they would get an F right now. Looking at the principle of solidarity, well, whenever I think people of patriots and people of goodwill, people of faith, try to gather together, uh, we saw what ended up happening with the J6ers. Uh, you know, that, that turned out to be a mess. And, and, and I don't think it was just a, I, I think there was some nefarious activity from government plants that uh, caused this to be, uh, you know, bigger than what it is. So I think the government right now would get an F in terms of allowing us, again, even people right now that go in front of abortion clinics like myself and pray, uh, we're being told that we're being watched. So when it comes to the principle of solidarity, they don't want us to gather together in, in, in pro-life groups and, and pro-patriot groups. And also the principle of subsidiarity, well, you've done a great job there. They've, uh, there's, so much, there's been so much government overreach in the last couple of years, you know, our schools, families, uh, that based upon our church's teachings on the Christian social order, I personally, Jess Romero, if I was a teacher, I would give our federal government an F right now on all three areas. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. And But, but the, the flip side of that, we have to always remind ourselves, is that just as we dislike the, the centralized remote power of the government, we have also fallen prey to the centralized remote power of huge corporations. 
emissions. Uh, it has affected our lifestyle. Uh, it's, been, it's made us, it has this, we have an enslaved mentality that we, uh, we don't shop local. We don't support local businesses. Uh, it's too easy to just press a button on the computer instead. And as a result, our local communities have deteriorated as a result of that. So we have to rebuild localism both commercially and in terms of local government. And, uh, and that's what's going to make us independent again. And that's that will allow us to truly take care of our families uh, according to our our own uh, our own conscience and in really our, our own actions. If we're if we're wage slaves, if we're totally dependent on things that we can't control, we, we've lost our independence and we've lost our freedom. Hmm. Well, Dale, I hope you're uh, you're growing Chesterton School Network. I hope this thing takes off like wildfire around the country and even around the world because this is what we need. We need to raise up Catholic thinkers. That's what we need. And I, we got about two or three minutes left. Can you tell me a time in history <clears throat> where we've been, where the church has fired on all cylinders in terms of the Christian social order? What time in history would you say <clears throat> was there the principle of authority, the principle of solidarity, and the principle of subsidiarity? Uh, this was being lived out better than any other time in history. Would you say the Middle Ages, early Middle Ages? Uh, yeah, would you, what I, I would say the high Middle Ages uh, until the 1300s. Um, you know, uh, Thomas Aquinas at his height there, uh, and you know, it's a weird thing that destroyed it. it was it was first the plague and the, the Black Plague, and then the, the Protestant Reformation. Um, but but to go back to our theme of localism, there this ideal has been lived out locally throughout history, throughout Christian history. Okay, and it's actually. There's examples of it now. Um, and so that's the thing we have to remember. Uh, in order to really create a Christian civilization, there's not going to be a top-down. We can't be forced from above. It has to start from the grassroots level. And that's what we're trying to promote. And that's what I think we can see. We're seeing good results of it. I mean, our schools, our Chester Academy schools, are having this huge effect on their local communities because we're raising up these godly kids, and and people see that it makes a difference in their lives when they, when they see articulate young people who know how to use reason and and demonstrate their faith and are are living moral virtuous lives. That that's what that's the kind of effect you have. Uh, you know, the Catholic Church is is revealed through these people, n- not on what's been happening by the hierarchy. It's by the the Catholic lay people living out the Catholic faith. Amen. Yeah, bottom up, not top down. It's like Archbishop Fulton Sheen said back in the 70s, rest in peace. He says, who's going to save our church? He says, not the bishops, not the priests, not the clergy. It's you, you lay people. You're going to save the church. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, localism. That Yeah, that's where it's at. And it's, it's good to see all these young families as I go around and give lectures at parishes. Uh, all these young families that get it, they're going to these uh, Catholic academies. Uh, they're homeschool, homeschooling. They're, a, a lot of people, once they, they have that metanoia, that encounter, and they have that conversion experience, they realize that public schools are, are not our friends, and they either turn to Catholic academies like yours and set them up all over the, uh, the country, or they turn to homeschooling, which, uh, which is, like I said, if that's what you're talking about. Localism, that's where it's at, Correct. Yep, that's it. There's nothing, no, no, no school more local than a homeschool. I'll tell you that. Mm, <laughs> mm, I like that. Dale, any uh, parting shots? You got about a minute. Anything uh, you want to mention? Oh, Who I think to get real, your book? Real quickly, there's two other contributors to the book that are really interesting. One's an Italian and one's a, uh, an African, and they've demonstrated how these principles of localism work where they are in Italy and in West Africa. Another reason to get the book. This is a universal concept that we're talking about here. Tell us about these two guys. You got about a minute. Okay. Well, Marco um, Saramarini uh, is was cut one of the heroes of uh, Rod Dreher's book, The Benedict Option, which is a lot, in many ways, the same principles being taught. But what Marco Saramarini did in his community of San Benedetto del Tronto in Italy, uh, a group of families getting together, they they made their own schools, they their their uh, crafts and their, their trades all support each other, but all locally owned, and it, it's, it's an incredible thing that they've, that they've done there. 
But even more incredible is what a guy named John Canu did, who studied Chesterton at Oxford and then went back to his native land in, uh, in Sierra Leone in West Africa and built a, up a community, uh, taught people how to uh, grow their own food and manufacture their own equipment. And there is there's this renaissance in the, in the country of Sierra Leone where they have a Chesterton Academy there. Wow. So this yeah. proves this proves that this localism, this is an international solution. It can be yeah, it is. It can be practiced anywhere. It can be practiced anywhere. Yeah. It'd be great if America led the way, but it, it could be happening everywhere. Amen. Dale, thanks a lot for coming on the Terry and Jesse show. Hey, uh, audience, you got to get the book. It's coming up. Uh, it, it'll be coming up shortly, the book. Localism, Coming Home to Catholic Social Teaching. You can pick it up at Sophia Institute Press. Sophia Institute Press. Dale, thank you for everything you do for Holy Mother Church. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And uh, we'll have to do this again, my friend. I'll look forward to that, Jesse. God bless you. God bless you. You've been listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Remember, family, live in a state of grace. Pray your rosary every day. Go to Mass as often as possible. This is Lent. Remember, penance, penance, penance. And also remember, read your Bible every day. Read the daily Mass readings. Wake up, America. Don't hit the snooze button. Global warming alert. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? See you next time.